This is Randall Barnes, the host of Post Radio, in the building for another special edition of the show on today, where we're talking about sports. A lot of games went down. A lot of them was for some money. Like Deion Sanders said, it must be the money for some of these HBCU games, but we'll talk about it in a second. I have my amazing co-host and sports extraordinaire, Aria Kilgore, in the building. Aria, how you doing today? I'm doing good, so excited to be back and get into these games this weekend oh my god yes yes so i i gotta tell you what i'm excited about because i'm hype Aria. i'm hype like because i feel i feel involved in football now Aria. It's, it's crazy i feel so involved because like listen i'm watching the ravens raiders game and you know you you had the paid man and elon man and broadcast we'll talk about that later on but i turned from that broadcast and I turned on, like, the traditional Monday Night Football broadcast on ESPN. So the Ravens have the ball. They're on offense. And I, I hear a name that's very familiar, Tyson Williams. I'm like, Tyson Williams, that sounds very familiar. So I looked it up. On, I, I went to Google. I looked it up. I'm like, that's my middle school classmate from Miller Middle School. Like, what? I'm like, my boy done made it. He um, transferred to Miller Middle School in Macon, Georgia in eighth grade. He was in advanced classes with me because i was in advanced classes he was in advanced classes and he was like you know real energetic um you know charismatic and he really honestly his dynamic with his mom and how talented he was he really put me in the mind of lebron james honestly so i always said as i was sitting in class and he played a couple times i think he was injured for a lot of our football season that year like i said a couple times like man he's gonna really make it and man just to see him not only play in the game but to start the game, he didn't play the second half. I think that's what Ravens lost. We'll talk about that later. But he got a touchdown. Like, he got a touchdown on a fourth and one. I was so proud. Like, I was proud. That was my brother out there. That was my family out there. Because it's just so great to see people doing positive that you that you grew up with, that you went in school with. You know, because there's a lot of negativity going on. So to see that he's living his dreams and he's making his family proud. And he also was helping the Ravens. He got a touchdown. That was just so amazing. So I'm I'm hyped today, Aria. I'm hyped. I'm so proud of you. I mean, I <laughs> I understand how you feel because like when I was in the high school, about four of my classmates they went to D one schools, and so seeing them for the first time going to my freshman year, I was just like, oh, I like I really wanted to shed a tear because it's like oh, I'm so proud. And then I also have a cousin. I have a cousin that plays for the New York Giants, Andrew Thomas. So to see him get drafted top five, and then now he plays for them, it's kind of like. Wow, like dreams really do come true. Like it's just so exciting to see people that you grow with to actually accomplish what they set out to do. Exactly. So we have to talk about that positivity, but let's go on and get into the show, right? So we have the HBCU games on this weekend. We're gonna run through them really, really quickly because most of them were money games. So Tennessee State loses to Jackson State. 38 to 16. Deion Sanders and the boys are going in. We'll talk about that in a second. Fort Valley versus FAMU. FAMU wins 34 to 7. Bethune Cookman versus University of Central Florida, 63 to 14. Alcorn versus Northwestern, 13 to 10. They actually won, I guess that was their money game. I'm not sure. Very low scoring. Grambling versus Southern Miss, 37 to 0. Southern versus Miles, 41 to 24. And also Alabama State. They didn't get no points in their money game, too, so we, we ain't going to talk about that, all right? So the NFL games, all right? We had a full slate of NFL games on this Sunday. The Falcons, the Titans, the Packers, the Bears, the Bills, the Jaguars, and the Giants all took some big losses. They're 0-1. The Vikings versus the Bengals, 24-27. 49ers versus the Lions. Of course, the Lions were going to lose, 41-33. And the Colts versus the Seahawks. The Seahawks got that dub. The Chargers versus the Washington Washington football team, 20-16. Panthers, Jets, 19-14. The Chiefs were able to pull it off against the Browns in a great game, 33-29. Dolphins and Patriots battle of two Alabama QBs, 17-16 for the Dolphins. And the Ravens versus the Raiders, that's one of the best football games I've ever seen. That shows you that I'm not a big football fan. 33-27. 
All right, so we're going to start off with Shador Sanders. So Shador Sanders, he was a little bit rocky during the FAMU game. He showed some arm strength, but he went federal this time around against the Tennessee State Tigers in the Southern Heritage Classic. He threw for one touchdown. He was scrambling real well. He showed his arm strength, and I think he's getting the form. So what do you, you think about Shador Sanders' comeback after that FAMU game, Ariel? No, Shador Sanders definitely improved after his first game with FAMU because he wasn't looking like that. He couldn't, when he scrambled in the pocket, it usually ended him with the sack or a fumble. But this game, having big players like Keith Corbin, that arrow that he shot in the middle of traffic to Keith Corbin, he over 20 plus yards to lead them into another scoring drive was absolutely amazing. Of course, throwing from across his body, which is a big thing because as a new quarterback, you're, you're not going to look for quarterbacks that are that mobile, that are that skilled or technique to do it like he did in that game and so I was very proud that he became more efficient that he was able to run the drives better actually take control of what he wanted for the game he looked absolutely what we thought he should have been versus the family game I was I was just absolutely proud yeah and his stat line was impressive 362 yards he threw for three touchdowns and one of those touchdowns was crazy I think it was his first touchdown that went federal like wow I was like he really threw that, and Buddy caught it. And that was like the first touchdown of the game and the first actual touchdown touchdown of his career. Because do we really count that one-yard rushing touchdown? I, I, I don't. I don't count that one against Bambi. I, I get it. No, it's not, it's not the same when, when it's like how he did the last game. It's not the same. So, yeah, his first that touchdown that he had in this game against Eddie George. Oh, man, we got to get into Eddie George later. But, yeah, this game with Shador Sanders, I, like I said, I'm just super proud that he decided – to really learn from his mistakes and build on that and be the quarterback that we hoped he would be this season. So a lot of people were talking about Jackson State's offense and how they didn't like the output against FAMU, and they were saying Deion Sanders isn't that great of an offensive coach. But what are, what are the changes that you saw that helped the Jackson State offense put up 38 points? I saw that they were now very calm. You know, you're just, you're just coming back. Of course, they, they did play in the spring. But they didn't really play like anybody or any opponents that would really challenge them or really see like the new recruits that the swag had and really be able to be like, hey, I can hold my own. So I saw a lot of calmness. I saw a lot of, okay, we got this together. We can do it. And I also saw a lot of force um, between Shador Sanders and his wide receivers being able to, hey, when you go out there, you have to run this right. You have to hit this way and be ready for me to hit you. They weren't ready for that against Vandy that time. So, Deion Sanders made a lot of changes on his offense to be like, guys, you got to do this. If you want it, then you can go get it. That's what he's really trying to teach his offense. Like, you guys have the ability to do it. It's just you believe in yourself, and are you capable enough to make things happen? Exactly. And one thing about Eddie George and the Tennessee State Tigers, and Deion Sanders said this, is that they are just now starting their journey. Like, Jackson State had the spring to get things together. They started off, they were winning games, they won a very winnable game against Edward Waters, um, um, you know, Jackson State did, and then they won a great game against Grambling, but Grambling was out of their sorts because they were dealing with COVID in that program. Then they won against Mississippi Valley, a team they should have beat, but then the last three teams they lost to, they lost to Alabama State. That was Deion Sanders' first loss of his coaching career. Then you lose against AM, who were the eventual SWAC champions for the spring. Then you lose against Southern in one of Dawson Odom's last games before he left and went to Norfolk State. So they had their moments to have their shine, and they had their moment to say, okay, hey, he's not here next year. He's not here next year. So Eddie George is just now starting because Eddie George got hired in April. So how what are your feelings with Eddie George after this game? They lost to Grambling. Now they've lost to Jackson State. Expected them to lose against Jackson State anyway. I just don't think their team is ready. They're like they're not ready this season. He doesn't necessarily have the players that he kind of wants. He's not knowing what plays to call, what what offense, what defense is he looking at. And we already know that Jackson State is defense heavy. They're not going to let you just score points off of them. So you got to be able to run your offense, run the ball, make sure you're passing your ball. And he was not necessarily doing that. Besides when they came back from that first touchdown when it was seven to seven, but then. After that, Jackson State just took off, and Eddie George didn't know how to handle that. Of course, that goes into he was just hired in April. He is kind of working with his new team. He doesn't have the same players. But there has to be a certain point to where you put your foot down and you look at those tapes and you'll be like, okay, what are the skills of my defense and my offense? How can I play them 
to be able to put points on the board. And if I don't win that game, at least have a close game so people are not sitting out here looking at me like, what is Eddie George doing? Is he even worth being the coach of Tennessee of Tennessee State? Because right now they look they don't look good. They look terrible. And you can't go this whole season being defeated by every team that you play. Like how you say, Randall, you don't really see them winning, but I see them winning if they get it together. Maybe one game, but not not this season. They're not ready at all. Looking at their schedule, they're winning this week against against Kentucky State. Let's just be honest. Like there, there's a D two opponent. If they lose this game, I don't know that you fire Eddie George at this point because you're not supposed to lose. If you Tennessee State, you're not supposed to lose to Kentucky State. But like I think that they win that game. Looking at the other schools because they're in the OVC, they're playing a lot of PWIs that have larger recruiting budgets, larger scholarships that they can provide to their players. So that's going to be a disadvantage for them. So I think that that's the big problem for me is that if they were in the swag, maybe they could pull out a win. Maybe they beat up on, on, on Mississippi Valley. Maybe they maybe pull out one against FAMU with there in the swag. Maybe Bethune-Cookman goes down to the wire. But they're going up against schools where it must be the money. They're getting the money for it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I, I just I don't see the win on that schedule except for Kentucky State. But let me ask you this. So Shador Sanders has been getting a lot of praise. He was the Stats Perform FCS National Player of the Week. And also Shador Sanders, after this performance, is on the radar of the Black College Football Hall of Fame. He might be in that Player of the Year category, battling Alabama A&M's Aquil Glass. So what do you think about Shador Sanders? Did he really prove himself as the breakout quarterback in FCS and HBCU football this year? Oh, he's definitely proved that he's been the breakout quarterback, and I don't think he's ever going back. Like, after that first game against him, he is all gas, no breaks, as they usually say. Like, he's going to he's going to start doing amazing things that we've never seen before, and he's going to put himself in a position to be that all-time great, to go into the HBC Hall of Fame, to out the other quarterback who we think deserves his position, but they don't. Shador Sanders is not done, and I don't think he's ever going to, like, He's primetime son. This man is going to get his primetime. He's going to do it well and outdo anybody else that's coming after him or before him. I think so, too. But the only thing that's going to prevent him, and I really want to see this matchup, is coming up in October, a Quill Glass versus Shador Sanders. Because you got to get through a Quill Glass first. A Quill Glass got like four or five touchdowns against Jackson State a few months ago. So, of course, Shador Sanders doesn't play defense. His brother Shiloh does. Maybe Shiloh versus versus Aquila Glass should be what we're talking about. But I just want to see that QB matchup. That's going to be black Tom Brady, black Aaron Rodgers for me. That's what I'm thinking. That's going to be a showdown that I'm trying to see because Aquila Glass like that. And Aquila Glass needs to get a lot of NFL consideration because he's such a pure passer. Like, he has an arm. He's really smart in how he manages the game. So, Aquila Glass versus Shador Sanders. That's the match I want to see. But let's get You couldn't in. think of, like, any black quarterbacks to compare him to the five Tom Brady. <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott, I don't know. Like, I mean, I want to face, like, some, <laughs> some good ones. I mean, I, I, I got to think about it. What, Michael Vick versus Donovan McNabb? I don't know. Like, I'm just throwing names out at this point. But let's talk about the NFL Alabama is dominating. You had three quarterbacks. Just mentioned Jalen Hurts, but Mac Jones, he threw for 281 yards, one touchdown in the loss against his fellow Alabama quarterback, Tua. You had Jalen Hurts, threw for 264 yards, rushed for 62 yards, three touchdowns versus the Falcons. Sorry, Ariel. And then you had Tua, Tugalua, threw for 262 yards and one touchdown in the win versus Mac Jones. Nick Saban has to be proud. Like, what are you thinking about how Alabama's just dominating the NFL right now? Okay, so listen, I'm going to just have to go and, you know, get you on that little slide comment. I already know my Falcons was so disappointing with Austin Smith and on their offense. They came out with a no-huddle drive. Was doing it six minutes down into the end zone, and then you kick a field goal. I, I, mm. But I am proud of Jalen Hurts. I am proud of what he did, especially with their Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. His first career touchdown, too, in that game as well. Um, I I think Nick Saban should be proud. Nick Saban and that Alabama team and that Alabama University have that program where they are dominating in the draft. They have the best wide receivers, Heisman's wide receivers, almost every other year. Almost every player on that team could be eligible each year for a Heisman trophy. Nick Saban knows the key. He has the ingredients, sugar and spice, all that Powerpuff girl stuff to make great players. And you can see it as you see Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, 
all of them played for a championship. All of them got a championship with him. So they know what it means to win. They know what it means to carry a team. And honestly, that was the best matchup for me, not this weekend, but just to see Tua go against Mac Jones, just to see two quarterbacks that Nick Saban had trained. And as a close game as it was, because they have that Alabama mentality that we know what it is to win and we know how to guide our team and do what we need to do. It was it was special. Like whatever Nick Saban put in that water, I need because obviously he's just doing it in the NFL season. And one of the big things that I wonder is I wonder how Nick Saban is developing those boys because he's developing some really good ones. There's been a lot of amazing Alabama players in the league, period. But to see three show out in week one, it's just mind-blowing. I thought that Jalen, of course, and it's not about the Falcons, but I, I root for black quarterbacks. Jalen had the best game out of, out, of, out of those two. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm, I'm root, I root for black quarterbacks that run. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he was running 62 yards. He rushed for That's pretty dope. So – how do you think Alabama, with the team they have currently constructed, how do you think they're going to do as far as next year's draft, as far as getting professionals on the field? Alabama is sitting five in the draft, like at minimum, maybe, maybe, maybe seven. And two of them are going to go first round just because of how they're looking this year, how dominant they have been with the teams that they're playing. Consistent blowouts. But, you know, it hasn't been like easy teams. They've been like easy teams right now. You know, they haven't gone against somebody that we really want to see like Clemson yet or um maybe 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 UGA they they're looking they're looking a little good or or Notre Dame like they haven't gone against these big teams that have really good defenses and great tight ends Notre Dame has a great tight end and we saw that during their game so we just have to wait and see um but of course to Alabama they don't have like real talent this is Alabama like who's really going to beat them especially when you kind of watch a big circle of talented guys last year um you're looking at Alabama might go undefeated again I don't know that's really hard for me to say um just because you know I have other I have other teams and I have other players that I'm rooting for but Alabama just looks so good right now I'm giving them at least five maybe seven in the draft and two are definitely going to go top five first round so let's talk about this year's draft so do you think all the players from Alabama were good picks for their position? And you have like Byron Edwards and Henry Ruggs, how they're battling for the with the Raiders in their positions. So how do you think those Alabama players are sliding as far as how the team's drafting them? Do you think it was good picks? Yeah, so Henry Ruggs was um twenty twenty. But of course he had that injury, he had to prove himself to come back. Um he didn't play in that Monday night game, that great Monday night game against the Ravens and the Raiders. They actually had Edwards play, and Edwards was extremely phenomenal, going 32 yards on one pass, leading them into um, that touchdown that would eventually end going through that fourth quarter at the end for them to tie the game. He was very essential when it came to Derek Carr, and I think Derek Carr loves him. And they were talking a little bit about that he might be kind of on that back and forth to Carter if Ruggs would get back into the game, if Ruggs doesn't improve from what he's been doing, if he comes back from this little injury that he's had, the reason why that he didn't play in that game, it's Edwards that person. But again, he's another Bama boy. You know Bama boys, wide receivers, are reliable. Hence Devontae Smith, and the Heisman winner that had just won. So I, anything that you see from Alabama in the draft is a great pick. You know they're going to work for you, and they're going to produce for you. But right now, Edwards is on the road to maybe taking Ruggs' place if Ruggs doesn't come back in the next two or three games and show that he is more efficient than what Edwards is doing in that overtime game. I feel it. I feel it. So we have to listen. I got to lead you into it. The Packers and the Falcons lost. All right. The, the Packers, we don't really care. The Falcons lost, though. All right. We both Georgia people. We're down here, down south. So check, let, 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 let's start off. We're not going to start with the Falcons. We're going to start with, with, the, with the Packers. You had Aaron Rodgers have that sit-down interview with Aaron Andrews on Fox NFL Sunday. And it's like, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers, you're doing too much, man. It wasn't as explosive as the promos are making it look. But it's like, Aaron, you, you being chatty patty right now, man. And, they, and then they don't get no touchdowns. Like, you had Jameis Winston going in on them. So how do you feel about the Packers? Are they done? Is there, is this their last? Is game one day last dance, Ariel? Like, what's going on with them? Yeah, because, you know, they play, they play the Chargers this weekend. This is going to, um, you know, the commercials, they just seem like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's going to do it. He's excited to be back. He knows that loss was terrible. I don't think Aaron Rodgers cares at this point. After that offseason, how he wasn't really feeling the coach anymore, how he just wasn't feeling the Green Bay Packers staff, period. And 
I, you know, like I said, like when you treat your quarterback wrong, just like how they did the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, when you've been done wrong by a company, it's like you don't even feel the same anymore. And he's like, he didn't get over it like Dak Prescott, how he's playing, how he realized this is like his chance. He's like, retire me if you want to. I don't care because we all knew Aaron Rodgers could have came back in that game against the Saints. Of course, I'm not going to deny the talent and the great opening that Jameis Winston had, but Jameis Winston against Aaron Rodgers, a Hall of Famer, a soon-to-be Hall of Famer, then he should have never went out like that in that first game. And you can see on the sidelines while he's talking to his teammates, he really didn't care. Now, I don't think he lost that game for himself. Like how you said, I'm really putting into that theory because I love theories. I think his teammates saw that interview, and they decided, well, if he don't care, I don't care. So as a team, I think they lost together. I don't think it was just Aaron Rodgers and his attitude. Um, because Aaron Rodgers, he just doesn't want to lose, has to lose. I think the team is done with him as well. So is there any way they can improve? So if the team is done with him, it sounds like they're done. It looks like he's gone. He's walking out the door. So is there any way that the team can improve? Well, the team, if, if I'm wrong and the team's not done with him, they definitely need to improve on their running game. That's where the Saints really help to the line of scrimmage and lots of yards. They really help them on their running game. Of course, Aaron Rodgers has, he has that army. He's solid. Sometimes he shot down the field just to do it. Sometimes he had those quick passes. He can get it to his wide receivers, but his wide receivers are going to have to be able to make room to practice those routes, to get open, because they also struggle with that, too. He couldn't find an open man, and that led to Aaron Rodgers running for some of his plays. And, you know, look at him. It's not Aaron Rodgers is old. There's a difference between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan's just slow. He's never been a runner. Aaron Rodgers can run. It's just you don't want him to do that because he is old. You want him to be able to use that arm that he displayed on that weekend. So they're going to have to do that for me if that offense really wants to trust him or if they really do like him, they need to get that running game together and they need to be able to get open so he can make those passes down the field and score against other teams. So let's talk about, really quickly, Aaron Rodgers' future. So you said the team is done, but they possibly could come back. And Aaron Rodgers seems done. He has a man bun, man. He's done. Like, Aaron Rodgers got a man bun. Like, I was looking at my time hop, and you had Eminem. Like, he had he had that kill shot this three years ago against, against, against Machine Gun Kelly. He said, how can you name yourself after a gun to have a man bun? That's the only line I remember. So, like, what do you think his future is at this point? Um, I agree with what everybody's been saying. I believe, like, if he, um, mm, I do agree that this is his last season. He may be leaving regardless of the outcome, but I don't think he's going to leave without actually contending in the playoffs or trying to make it to the Super Bowl. I think he does want to do that. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is done with this facility. He is done with the owner. He is just done with everybody, period. So this is going to be his last time. But, you know, I'm going to take a little away from Stephen A. Smith. This man has got a beard. You know when you know when quarterbacks get a beard, it's go time. They're ready. They're not going out sad. Drew Brees, when you look at um, what's, uh, Tom Brady. When Tom Brady had that beard against that terrible 2017 Atlanta Falcons um, Super Bowl, man, he was he was ready. He came back and he beat us. Any quarterback with a beard, that beard right there is showing I'm not going out sad. But he's definitely retiring after this season. He's not doing it anymore. And Drew Brees, Drew Brees had a beard going into that last um, playoff run. Did he lose? Yes, of course. But he was ready and determined. He made it that, hey, I'm not going out sad. But you know when you got you look at Derek Carr, he won his first game even though it was in overtime. He had that beard. He's ready. He is prepared for this season. But Aaron Rodgers, he's not. He's not staying after this. He can't physically and mentally. He can't. The only thing is that I think the man bun might cancel out the beard. I, I don't know. So <laughs> let's talk about the Falcons. So the Falcons, they lost to Jalen Hurts. They have you know Tom Brady next week. People saying Tom Brady was throwing shots because he did a video and it said 28 to 3 in, in the back or 328 in the back. I don't think that was a shot. I, if, if he is Tom Brady, he's very petty. Like, dude, you're 55. Like, stop being petty. If, if he's being petty, if he's not, okay. But, like, what do you think about the Falcons about this loss? And I want to give you another caveat. Moving forward versus the Buccaneers, Falcons have never won against Tom Brady. That is, um, well, going going back into the game that they played against Jalen Hurts, and if anybody remembers uh, my prediction, I definitely said that the Falcons were going to win. I should have definitely, like, thought and talked about it. Like, all right, what are you talking about? Like, come on now, because we don't know their offense, and we've never seen their team before. This is our first time 
seeing what the team is, like what Arthur Smith constructed. So um, they definitely disappointed me. They definitely were driving. They were having a good drive in the first quarter. And then two kick field goals, and then after that, the Eagles just started blowing them out. So in order for them to win against Tom Brady, which they haven't done before, they're going to have to go back into 2017 and pass a lot more. We haven't built the run game as much. We don't even have a reliable running back like how we used to, like how we used to have in Freeman. Um, we only have Titans now. We have Hurts and we have Pitts who are able to get open, who are able to make it down the field. And, of course, we have Kyle Pitts, but we don't have any backfield weapons. And that's kind of what is hurting us right now. So they're definitely going to have to develop that run game because you know Tom Brady can pass. You know he has those open players. You know he has those threats. You're going to have to develop a run game and a great defense to hold them when it comes to time most. The, the Atlanta Falcons got so tired. Got so tired in the second half. We all know we are not a second-half team. You can't get tired against Tom Brady, especially now that he plays for the Buccaneers and has turned them into a championship team. It wasn't like that before when we used to play with the Buccaneers and it was James Winston and the quarterback before that. We can stop them. We can hold them to the scary line and possibly come back using our running game, using our passing game. But you can't do that with Tom Brady. So they're definitely going to have to develop something on offense. Arthur Smith is going to have to go back to the drawing board because, like he said, it was partially his fault because he was trying to stick to an offense in his head like, they're going to come to us. We're going to be able to make those plays. Our defense is going to drive everything. Our offense just has to work. That obviously didn't work for them. So they're going to have to get it together, go back to the drawing board, and see what's up because that game was just disappointing. And I'm really mad my prediction was, like, wrong. I'm mad for you because my, my dad and my brother are big Atlanta Falcons fans, and they were upset because they have PTSD because of, you know, the Super Bowl, and they're like, oh, we're not going to win. Like, it's first quarter. we all do. Like, this first quarter to kick off, like, 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 said, they didn't even kick it right, man. We're not going to win. Like, it, it, he's just so dejected. And one of the things they said was that when other teams, we watched the Browns, we watched the Chiefs, we watched other teams, we saw the different highlights. And even if you look at that, you know, ja Jaguars game, and you saw how, like, they were able to score in the red zone. One thing my dad and my brother were saying is that the Falcons can't score in the red zone. It's like, you're right there. One of the first plays, you're right there. You're doing well. And just go in and score. It's like the Falcons cannot do that. So I want to turn it into this. If you cannot score against Tom Brady, you're going to lose at this point. So how do you think the Falcons can improve against Tom Brady? Like you just said, they're going to have to be able to score in that red zone. The Falcons can get there. That's my problem. The Falcons can get there. They can march down the field, and they can get in or at that 20-yard line where they're right in the red zone. And then all of a sudden, they crumble just because defenses know who they're going to. They know that, okay, they're going to go to Calvin really. They don't have a running game, so Matt Ryan might, be, might have to be forced to run in. Like I just said previously, Matt Ryan is dummy slow. He, like, literally runs in slow motion. I don't know how you do that, but he does. They're not – they don't have a game plan when it comes – like, it seems like they freeze. Or, like, they're just like, oh, my gosh, we made it to the red zone. We can score a touchdown. Like, what do we do from here? You can't do that. You have to go in with a game plan. And sometimes you do have to go with your most reliable person, which is going to be Kevin really. You got to find a way to get him open. You got to find a way for that pocket to block. You got to make sure that Mike Ryan has time to see down the field and see who he can get. And let me just say, Randall, I am so proud of you. How you how you just introduced that, how you came in and all this football knowledge that you gained. I'm just so proud of you how you set that up. I'm just I'm amazed. Like this is great. I mean you. I mean, you know, you gotta study. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you got you gotta study at this point because I I was watching the games. I'm not gonna lie to you. Midway through that Chiefs Browns game, I did go to sleep. All right. I I did I did. <laughs> But I woke up and, and I saw the last little part before I turned to the VMAs. So, because you got to see, watch all of it. But, you know, Ravens versus the Raiders, I was there for it. Like, I was watching. Of course, like, seeing, you know, Tyson out there had me really paying attention. But I'm a big fan of Lamar Jackson. And I can just say this. And I got to go down bad, too, because I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. So, I guess I can say I'm a fan of the Ravens. I mean, I'm more so, like, basketball. I'm a fan of a player. I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson, but I have to say this as we introduce this sweep by the AFC West, you have the Raiders want to know. I don't know how they did it. You have the Chiefs want to know. You got the Broncos want to know. You have the Chargers 1-0, and and you almost had a blue. It's going to be 3-1, but the Raiders somehow in the opening of their stadium beat Lamar Jackson, and I have to say this really quickly before I toss to you. 
I was upset because Lamar Jackson had a 14-point lead. He had a 14-point lead. He fumbled that, fumbled the ball a couple times, and it's like, I want him to throw. Like, he is so talented. He can run. He has a little bit of a pass game. I don't want him to just rearrange his game because that's what keeps the defenses on their toes. Like, you don't know he's going to run or pass. But it's just sometimes when he's just standing there and he's thinking, should I run it? No, pass the ball. <laughs> like, throw it, throw it out of bounds. Do something. And they didn't, they didn't even have Tyson in the game. That was what really had me upset. Like, Tyson done scored one touchdown already, and then he was running through that Raiders defense, and they took him out of the game. Like, and people were saying that on Twitter, like, why you take that man out of the game? He was producing. So I was very frustrated. I was watching the Peyton Manning, Eli Manning broadcast. We'll talk about that in a second. But what did you see from the Ravens? On Monday. Okay, so for the pre pre overtime, I saw so much improvement from Lamar Jackson. And of course, like I of course everybody knows my team is Atlanta Falcons, but I am a big fan of Lamar Jackson too. The ability the all the abilities that he has within himself to be able to run, to be able to pass, to see plays, his height, his agility. Lamar Jackson has it all. But as like when overtime hit, that's when you can see twenty twenty, twenty nineteen. 2018 Lamar Jackson not being confident making really stupid mistakes and I know that's so hard but it was really stupid mistakes in overtime especially when the Raiders almost had it and that first play of overtime but they had to call it back just because the players knee was short and they held them they got a three and out that's cool go back now it's their turn to have the ball Lamar fumbles and now it's the Raiders, and the Raiders run off a touchdown, which they should have done in the first time. It's just like, you obviously, you want to win, but you get so scared. Like, Lamar Jackson gets so scared, and he gets so rattled about what's going on in his situation. He's too much in his head that he loses the game. He had it right there. They were up by 14. And then you let them come back all because you're not secure in where you are. Your head is everywhere, and you make stupid mistakes, and that's his problem. You can't be a great quarterback. Leading into being an all-time great quarterback, it makes stupid mistakes like this that cost your team an easy game that they should have had. The Raiders really shouldn't have won that game and had the AFC West going 4-0. That's not what was supposed to happen that night. It wasn't. So I've been here in this conversation. I want to ask you about this because this is the conversation that's been had. I was watching First Take, and a lot of folks have their back and forth about it. But what do you think about Carr? Like, do you think Carr for the Raiders, do you think he's really a good quarterback or not? Because a lot of people are like, well, he won the game. Because it's, it's, it's this thing where if you win, you're good. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he did okay. I mean, he threw the, the game winning touchdown in overtime. But what do you think this game says about Carr? I don't think it really says a lot about him yet. Like, just to me, like, I, I don't want to take away his victory from him. But this was just a lucky game. Like, he still had some bad plays. He had some missed. He had some missed throws, some throws that were questionable. Some of them were too low. Some of them were too high. I'm not going to blame it all on him. Darren Waller just couldn't get it together that night. But I love the stories that they did on him and Crosby. That was really good about their alcoholism. Um, I'm glad they put that out there. That player's not perfect. But Derek Carr wasn't perfect either. He didn't have a perfect game. He just had a lucky game that he won. I feel like there's so much more that he can improve on with his team. Um, Granted, you know, he he looked okay. He looked pretty good, you know. Congratulations to him, but I don't think he should take this win to his head. Like, I need you to play like two more games, whoever they play next. I haven't looked at their schedule, and then I'll probably say, "Ah, oh, Derek Carr might be the real deal for the Raiders." You know, I mean, their their performance was spectacular. I love how they pulled back that night, but um, I can't I can't give it to him like I want to. I can't, Derek Carr. I, I just need to see more. Well, we're gonna go to predictions in a second, but they actually do play the Steelers. So let's just start with that. So we're going to do NFL predictions, and we're already talking about the Raiders beating the Ravens. They play the Steelers next. The Steelers won this past weekend. So Steelers versus Raiders, who you got? I got Steelers. Steelers, that that easy? That easy? That easy. Hilarious. So Hopefully that easy. uh, We'll see. So Thursday, so it's going down on Thursday, the Washington football team versus the Giants. Does anybody care about this game? I don't know. I don't care. I'm not watching. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to catch the highlight. I'll let you watch that, Ariel. But who do you think is going to win that, 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 that game of one, one person going to watch is you? Who do you think is going to win that game? I mean, Andrew, if you're watching, I love you, Andrew. I hope the best for you. But um, ah, 
man, I'm watch, Washington. I'm just throwing up in the air. Washington football team might do it. You know, I, I don't know about the New York Giants this season. I, 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 you know, I think they're, they're shocked you picked them. I think they're shocked. So, <laughs> the Patriots on Sunday, the Patriots versus the Jets, who you got? Patriots. Zach Wilson disappointed me so much. I mean, he came back, but I, that wasn't the opening quarterback like performance that I hoped for. Okay, so Broncos versus Jaguars. Who you got? Broncos. That was easy. That was that was too easy. So Bills versus the Dolphins. Who you got? I think it's another easy one. Who you got for this one? Bills. That was easy. So 49ers versus Eagles. I don't think this one is as easy. Who you got? Oh man, the 49ers doing that two quarterback play and letting them win that game, and that was crazy against Jalen Hurts. Oh my I don't know. If they do that two two quarterback combo again, it might be the 49ers. So this is the equivalent of money games in the NFL. These are horrible matchups this week. So the Rams versus the Colts, who you got? Come on, who you got? Rams. Go, come on, come on now. All right, come so <laughs> the Bengals versus the Bears. Now, this one's interesting. So I got to ask you a two-fold question. So first is who you have for the, the Bears versus the Bengals? I want to go for the Bears. Andy Dalton, I mean, he wasn't like great, great. But I feel like he can build on more. And if they really do challenge and put Justin Fields in, because those couple seconds that he was in, he actually made some really good plays on winning drives. So I can see them kind of doing it against the Bengals. So you think that they'll win with either quarterback starting? Or do you think it's a win for Justin Fields and a loss for Andy Dalton? Like, which quarterback do you think should start this week? They're definitely going to start Andy Dalton, period. They're just trying to see how he is. And they don't necessarily, even though that, um, Justin Fields did get in. They don't still necessarily know if he's ready for that, even though he's getting reps. He's playing during practice. They're just not ready. But I do feel like they're going to put him in for a couple of drives, a couple of drives, and it might change the momentum of how they're thinking about him. I feel it. I, I, I feel that a thousand percent. I want to see Jalen Hurts get in. I just don't like how it, what Andy Dalton's given. And I just think you have to go with the future and give the future a shot because they work for the Patriots. Like, you know, Tom Brady is. It's 21 years later at this point. So, Texans versus the Browns. I think this is another layup. Who you got for this one? Browns. They just, Mayfield showed me a lot. They really did. Hopefully, they bring back Odell Beckham. I don't know if he's going to be great, but um, hopefully, they do see him. I see him in this game. So, Saints versus Panthers. Who you got? Saints. Saints, easy. 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 (laughs) So, Vikings versus Cardinals. Who you got? Vikings. Really? Not the Cardinals? Yeah. No, I think the Vikings, this this might be what they need. Okay. I, I Listen, <laughs> I, I feel it. I feel you. So, Falcons versus Buccaneers. Oh, man. Who you picking? You know, that was easy. Um, I have no faith, no hope anymore either in my Falcons. So I definitely think it's going to be the Buccaneers. You think so? I would love for them to prove me wrong, but I really think it's going to be the Buccaneers. I'm... <sighs> I don't know, like, like they, they got to beat him one time. They got to beat Tom Brady one time. They have to. Like, and I, like, I don't think he did that great against Dallas. Now, granted, that was the first game. I don't think he did that great. And I think that the Cowboys did pretty well on offense. So that defense wasn't all that, oh, my God, it's so scary. So I don't know. We'll have to see. But it, it goes to how much the Falcons won it in my book. I'm not going to give a pick. I'm, I'm being scared. I'm not going to give a pick. But I just— really? I'm not scary. I'm not scared here. Oh, I'm scared of the Falcons because because they they're gonna lose. I mean, like I'm not gonna lose this time. We're just gonna see. I I I'll make my pick. I'll make my pick in in, in the fourth quarter. Okay. okay. So <laughs> Titans versus Seahawks. Speaking of the Falcons, you know, Julio Jones on the Titans. Then you got the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. I'm gonna talk about Russ in a second. So who you got for that one? I mean, I'm just saying both teams lost in their first week. So, you know, Julio, he got to prove something to me, but I definitely got the Seahawks because Russell Wilson was looking great, even though I had to catch the highlights because my TV wasn't like the screen. He was looking great, so I'm going with the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks looked good. They won last week, and I saw a lot of knowledge from Russell Wilson with Eli Manning and, and Peyton Manning. So we're going to talk about that in a second, yeah. like I said. So Cowboys versus the Chargers, who you got? Cowboys. Now, we, we're not even going to do an analysis on that one. Because we got the game of the week. Oh, my God. 8.20 p.m. is going down. Patrick Mahomes versus the Ravens. I guess those are the two black quarterbacks I should have said. Okay? So, yeah, yeah. You could have done that. I could have said that <laughs> earlier. So, Ravens versus the Chiefs. Now, this I think this is a complex one because I think Lamar really wanted that win. 
the Chiefs have been dominating the AFC. So who you got? I don't know. The Chiefs kind of scared me. That was like a near win against the Browns. You know, they were they were fumbling too, just like another team. I can't think of them. They were fumbling just like the Ravens. So I don't I don't know. Like how you said, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to pick this one. Um, this is tough. You know what? Don't quote me, but I really think um, the Chiefs are going to pull it off. But it's going to be a close game. It's going to be stupid close. I think the Chiefs win, but the Ravens, like, if Lamar Jackson doesn't improve on how he runs and how he has how he carries the ball and his decision making, I, I don't like him to win. I think the Patrick Mahomes is going to destroy him. Because Patrick Mahomes is a very smart quarterback that knows his game. I think Lamar is a smart quarterback as well, but Lamar thinks too highly of his abilities. I think you pass it or you run it, man. That simple. It's great that you can, you know, make a play for yourself, but pass it or run it, man. And put Tyson in the game. Anyway, all right, <laughs> let's talk about this Monday night football game. I don't think it's going to be as good as last week. Packers versus Lions. Who, who you got? It's not a great game. I guess I guess the Lions. The Lions. The Lions? Wait. You picking the Lions? The Lions, the Lions have something to prove. The Lions have something to prove after last game. So you don't think that Aaron Rodgers is going to beat the team he's beating all the time? You think it's that bad for him? It, like, it seems so bad. Like, it really does. It seems so bad, and the commercials make it really bad, too. But... I don't know the Lions. The Lions don't have as much drama as they do with the Packers right now. So it's like, like this is kind of like a blind pick, but I just kind of if the I'll give it to the second. I'll give it to the second half. If they don't get it together by the second half, the Lions might end up stealing the game. I feel it. So I think the Packers are gonna win that one. I don't think that things have gotten that bad for Aaron Rodgers. He has a man bun, but I mean I don't think it's that bad. All right. <laughs> so we have to talk about this before we go. All right. So you had the Manning brothers, you had Peyton Manning, you had Eli Manning. They did their Monday night football telecast, and it was very interesting. I had a lot of thoughts about it on Twitter, and I didn't really enjoy it at first because I turned away. That's how I found out about Tyson. I turned away from that ESPN2 broadcast because this Peyton Manning was talking too much, Eli managers were sort of awkward. They didn't really, you know, get into their groove like that until the game got good. When I turned back, it was a wrap. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was a wrap when I turned back. And I was I stayed locked because I think their guests were great. They had Ray Lewis. They had Travis Kelsey. They had Russell Wilson. And when it got from fourth quarter to overtime, you had three amazing, brilliant, I guess, future Hall of Famer QB minds and Russ, Eli, and Peyton going into what, what Lamar was doing, what plays the Raiders are going to run. It was great. It was must-see television. But we have to talk about the Raiders. Because remember, I talked to you yesterday. I was thinking that this telecast might get more or draw the same audience that the Monday Night Football telecast did. Now, granted, we have to tell the full story when it comes to ratings. ESPN yeah. has been doing multiple telecasts. So they, they did ABC for the Monday Night Football game. They did ESPN. Peyton and Eli won ESPN 2. Then on ESPN Plus, they did a specific betting show. So the numbers were huge because you have so many audience converging together. Now, I'm not saying that the Monday Night Football broadcast would have just 4 million people would have watched it. I don't think that. Because you got Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is box office. But all those numbers combined together makes it look larger than it really was. Plus, we're not factoring in how many people watch the betting stream on ESPN+. Plus. But here's what Peyton and Eli drew. They got 800,000 viewers, which might sound good at first, but that's only a fraction of the 15.3 million viewers, and they didn't, they didn't even get close to touching the regular Monday Night Football crew. So people on Twitter were enjoying it. They had a niche audience. I think they need to get better. I like them in the studio. They're not going to be in the studio for the Packers versus the Lions. The ratings, I I, I got to see. I think the ratings could get a, a bit better with people, like, you know, really heralding them. I think that when it comes to media viewership, we're creatures of habit, you know? But I don't know. Like, what do you think? Like, did you enjoy that broadcast? And do you think that people are going to gravitate towards it? Or do you think this is just a dead concept? 
I think I really just got to stop talking to you before I watch anything because <laughs> when I was talking to you yesterday, I share the same, the same kind of feelings that you had. Like, Peyton Manning, as much as I do love him, and you know this, he talks too much. I'm literally, I'm literally sitting here watching the broadcast like, bro, you're not even talking about the game. Like, what is going on in the game? Like, there's this, there's this one really, this one really great play that Lamar Jackson did. And he's just talking about his old times at Tennessee, showing him in a cowboy suit. I'm like, don't nobody want to know about that. I don't want to see that. I, I mean, of course, like how you said, it was funny when he put on that too small helmet. Like, ah, okay, you know, we get it. Peyton, ah, he needs it. But, like, they talked throughout the whole game. It literally... It was great when they brought Ray Lewis on, give a perspective about the Ravens, how his relationship was with Lamar Jackson. Okay, cool. They kind of got, I don't know. I don't know if I'm used to, like, the regular shows that ESPN produce or, like, how commentators, like, do on their show or during the game. But they just weren't doing it literally until Russell Wilson got there. That's when it became, like, the show really was concrete. It, it was going thorough. Like, it was great. Before that, I was like, I'm going to turn this because I can't. Like, they're, they're doing too much for me, and I, I need what I'm used to. Like, I need you to talk about the game, not about yourselves. Like, I understand you're excited. Ah, uh, Peyton Manning is back in prime time. He hasn't been there in a minute since, he, since his commentating days about a couple years ago. But it, uh, uh, that show needs to get so much better. Whoever's writing, who's ever producing, like, please, please watch that episode, and please, like, come up on what you did wrong, because I couldn't. But like, my- the show definitely needs to improve. But can you really produce Peyton Manning? I, I like because it, it's certain people. I'm like, it don't matter who you are. Because like with certain people, I just throw a name in there. Like you, Peyton Manning ain't telling Roland Martin nothing. If Roland Martin producing that show, Roland gonna say, "Up uh, Mr. Manning." Okay, you got one Super Bowl ring, but I've been in the industry for thirty years. Like yeah, folks like Roland Martin, he he would have shut that down. But like, can you really produce Peyton Manning, especially when we know that ESPN is lagging behind Fox to me? They're not that bad behind CBS. I think they're ahead of CBS, but they are for sure behind NBC. I think it's Fox, NBC, ESPN as far as the football broadcasting hierarchy. And TNT has been killing ESPN in basketball for years. So Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, those are huge stars. And it drew a lot of conversation around that Monday Night Football broadcast that I think would not have been brought around it outside of the football field. And it was an interesting dynamic, and maybe they did draw and convert some people over to watch ESPN, too. Because I would love to see what that time slot looked like a week ago when there were no football games on ESPN, too. I think, of course, it probably outdrew everything that was in that time slot. But my thing is, can you really produce Peyton Manning? Yes, you can produce Peyton Manning. If you have to grow him into being a Hall of Fame quarterback, then you should grow him into being a commentator or show host on his own show. Like, not everybody's going to be, like, you, not everybody's just going to be naturally great, like, how you see on TNT and how, how you see Shaq and how you see Charles Barkley, who was also on their show as well. Like, everybody just doesn't have that intuition to know how to host the show, how to be great and make it flow. They don't have that yet. And so, yes, you need to be, I mean, you don't need to be like, hey, you know, Payman, I need you, like, tighten up. Like, this ain't it, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't have to go in there and control it because it is his show. But you need to be like, hey, um, you know, I like this, but I didn't like that. And I would think this is where we peaked as viewers when you started with Russell Wilson and y'all started doing this. But this is when you lost viewers when you were just talking the whole time and put on that small helmet. Like, you, you're going to have to show him. You're going to have to show him just, like, facts. Because I'm the type of person, I'm not changing anything unless you show me facts, unless you show me really where I need to improve. And that's just him. I think he's going to be humble enough, especially his brother who was humble enough, to be like, okay, this is where I need to change. I don't think he's just going to be like, well, it's my show. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's how you get careful. And then he's going to be looking for another thing to do. And we don't want that. Oh, Trez, he'll find something else to do. He's going to find, because NBC, because like, it's like when you have competition, you can never, like, because you always have to understand that everyone has options. And especially when, you, when you're at the top of your game in retirement and you're Peyton Manning, you have options. And that's one thing I saw when you looked at Charles Barkley um, with TNT, because he, he had signed a deal with NBC, but then at the last minute, he said, hey, I'm going to TNT, and the rest is history. But transitioning into that, before we close out this topic, we got, I'm an NBA guy, we got to show love to TNT inside the NBA and the whole Turner Broadcasting family, because there ain't no Peyton and Eli Monday night football show had it not been for inside the NBA, period. 
There, there's no Peyton and Eli if it was no players only, which they canceled on Tuesdays. You had Isaiah Thomas, you had Shaq that was on there. You had the players commentating the games. There was, there, I promise you, it would not have been that had it not been for the NBA. Because the NBA has been doing player broadcasting since the early 2000s. Really the 90s, if you want to, if you want to be honest. But really opening up the personalities, Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley opened the door for Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning wouldn't be putting on no helmet. If it weren't for Charles Barkley, like like, like, like like kissing a donkey. Like, come on, back in the day, like 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 Shaq and, Shaq and Chuck wrestling, them running to the board, Shaq tripping a few years ago. That was so funny. I watched that live. I was like, what the world? Like, yes, I, that was hilarious. I will never forget when that when um they had Shaq shooting a free throw and then it was Christmas child and then they pushed the Christmas tree in the Shaq. <laughs> they he was like, I like I'll make this. I, I bet I make this. He he squares up and he puts the Christmas tree in the show. Was so That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. If, if Shaq doesn't get pushed down by that Christmas tree, there is no Eli Payton and Russ in overtime for the Raiders. Show the NBA some respect. We want our respect. All right. Y'all, y'all gonna quit playing with, 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 with the NBA because in NBA TV, listen, like I wouldn't, it's times where like I wasn't even worried about the game. All right. It was points in times where like there was a blowout and I'm like, bro, I don't care about this game. I'm muting it. I'm writing my book. I just want to see what Charles is going to say. All right. I don't care. I want to see Shaq and Charles argue. I don't even care. So shout out to NBA on TNT for being the forefathers of NFL broadcast. That's all I got to say. But outside of that, <laughs> so outside of that, we're going to go on and go on today. So Ariel, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Instagram at A-R-I dot underscore E-L-P underscore. You can also find me on Anchor and Spotify at The Unacted Opinion, where I give my opinion that nobody asks for, but I'm going to give it anyway. You know, I started my new series, the Untold Series. I finally finished Malice in the Palace. Let me tell you, I got something to say. We might need to talk about that on next week, and I just gave my unasked opinion about the NBA. Y'all going to respect the NBA, period, all right? But <laughs> nevertheless, for me, make sure to follow me. My personal social media is Arthur Randa B, and make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, and Pulse Radio on YouTube. But outside of that, we will see you on the other side.